0: Welcome to the Covenant People's Ministry. It is written that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. We invite you to study the Scriptures with us to learn about the words of our Savior Jesus Christ. Our pastor is Mr. Jeremy Visser from Brooks, Georgia. You can contact us with your questions and comments at covenantpeople'sministry.com, or simply write to Covenant People's Ministry, Post Office Box Two Five Six. Brooks, Georgia, 30205. Our phone number is 404-906-9009. We would like to hear from you, and we pray in the name of Jesus Christ that His will will continue to reign upon us all. Once again, welcome to the Covenant People's Ministry, and here's Pastor Visser with our next Bible study. And
1: hello again, everybody. This is Pastor Visser from beautiful downtown Brooks, Georgia, bringing you another informative Wednesday night Bible study. And I believe that we might have Pastor Bill on the line this evening. Is that true?
2: Um, Yes, we do. Bill DeQuill here.
1: Excellent. And good to have you with us this evening. Thank you very much. Yeah. Absolutely. What we're going to be covering this evening, I was just thinking about covering the gospel according to Thomas, which would be an extremely deep subject for Christian identity, in general, yes. uh, most of our kinsfolk aren't afraid to cover these types of uh, books, you know, the the Gnostic, quote-unquote, or the Apocrypha, and so forth, covered the Proto-Evangelium. But before we start that, Pastor Bill, why don't you go ahead and give us a little brief overview about yourself so that the listener can go ahead and familiarize themselves with you or whatever ministries you may be affiliated with?
2: Okay, I'm uh,
1: I'm with uh, Pastor Galette
2: and the Legion of Saints. I also have a small local church in the St. Louis area. I've been around for a few years, I've been studying and learning as much as I can.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, there's a lot of interesting things going on over there with uh, Morris Galette, and it seems like his uh, group over there is growing amazingly fast, and that's that's to me is pretty exciting.
2: He's been heaping
1: blessings upon him.
2: It seems since the day he came home.
1: Yeah, yeah, it does seem that way. And as much as the detractor loves coming along and attacking you, know, people, it seems that their ministries will continue to go because it all does come from Yahweh God, does it not?
2: Exactly. Without the blessings of Yahweh,
1: you fail <laughs> each and every time. And you know it should go with it should go you know, was saying that, uh, you know, I'm sure we're going to get around to discussing Martin Lindsay at one point, but we should probably put that towards the end of the show because it is amazing to watch the destruction of our enemy and those who worship another god, at least according to my own opinion.
2: Oh, yeah. it's And that guy is just so far out there, it's not even funny.
1: <laughs>
2: That's
1: true. That's true. But anyway, this evening... Um, I wanted to cover the gospel, the uh, Gospel according to Thomas. And the interesting thing about the Gospel according to Thomas was this particular manuscript that I'm going to be studying out of was discovered in 1945 in Upper Egypt. That's
2: the Coptic one, right? The, the full Coptic version.
1: Yeah, indeed. And, and well, kinda
2: that's the copy I have too.
1: Oh, great! Yeah, it's it's interesting because the Coptic version, this version that we're going to be covering course, was discovered to the world in 1945, which mm-hmm. happened to be the end of World War II, which started a whole new era, at least within the advent or the strengthening of Judeo-Christianity. And in fact, I believe at one point there was an article up on Wikipedia that explained how Judeo-Christianity more or less invented in
2: 1945. And pretty much. Yeah, that's after, you know, after World War II, that's when the Jews started getting a lot more power.
1: Yeah, that's true. And it also seems like that's when they came along and neutered Germany and started passing all these laws so that they could oh, never... Sh- re-
2: <laughs> and either one of us would be arrested just for setting foot in Germany because of our beliefs.
1: That's so true. That's what's kind of funny about old Martin Lindsay thinking he was going to put a server up on uh, up in Canada. I mean, I saw, I saw that one. Yeah, they don't, they don't have the
2: same kind of laws that we do. That they take my blog down just for stating that Jews are descended from Satan. Wow! I mean, they, would, they wouldn't let it, they wouldn't let any
1: of us on in Canada. So true, so true. And it's like America being the last vestige of quote unquote free speech. It kind of shows you how little free speech there is. But then again, there is a thin line between free speech and. Proper speech, vulgar. Exactly. Yeah, and I believe that's what kind of basic
2: human decency.
1: <laughs> well, you know how Scripture says that the Jews are contrary to all man and all men, and basically that's what seems to be going on over there.
2: Yeah, Exactly.
1: But uh, the uh, Gospel according to Thomas, this uh, topic that we're covering was uh, discovered in 1945 in Upper Egypt, and it was actually first published, and I'm proud to have the first publication of it hardcover from my own collection. Actually, my wife bought me this, and mm-hmm. it was published in 1952. And at the very beginning, there's preliminary remarks, where basically this is the part of the, what they're putting out to the world and uh, want more or less the theologians to uh, put their... Uh, you know, comments and commentary and so forth with, which is interesting because now in the year 2010, there's such a dirge barrage of information about this all over the Internet that it's been dissected from every possible angle, but it is kind of interesting to have this version.
2: Mm, yes.
1: But uh, my particular version actually has it broken down into the logs. It has the Greek on one side, but I'm no Greek expert, not like Bill Fink. So, mm, um,
2: no, I'm, I'm not either. I have, I have to pretty much use my strongest concordance to reference the Greek.
1: Yeah, it's all Greek to me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, on the right hand side, it basically it starts. And the interesting thing about this is it seems for most theologians, haven't been able to really determine which Thomas this is. You know, some want to say it's Doubting Thomas from the disciples, and then. Did
2: uh, oh, no, I Thomas? At the yeah,
1: exactly, and then that's what I'm um, called in
2: the, in the um, King James Bible as well.
1: Is Didymus, yeah, but then there's other people that come along and they say, uh, you know, that this is uh, a different Thomas, a Gnostic Thomas, and so forth. In fact, I was mm-hmm. looking up today, you know, its historical significance, and you yeah. know, it's been written about several places and by several scholars, mm-hmm. which I. I thought was kind of interesting because, you know, it does have validity and it is recognized by the, by the church. So for all time, yeah, and most, most of
2: it, what's in there can be found in the synoptic gospels as well. There's yeah, only just a few, a few things that are
1: Yeah, that, that's, that's quite, that's the interesting thing about it is how it just parallels. There's so many parallels between this and the canonized quote unquote, you know, and that, I mean, that, that was, That that stuff that 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 stuff was all chosen
2: politically at the Council of Nicaea. Yeah, that was early bishops that were trying to get rid of Arius, and they were trying to get rid of the various schools of Gnostic thought as well.
1: Yeah,
2: with that big council.
1: And that's so sad too, because right there is Enoch, and you know these books as well that. Mm There's so many keys. And that's what I think is extremely important about this and bringing it to Christian identity, at least at this point, is that Th- Thomas' gospel is basically centers around wisdom and logic, mm-hmm. unlike mm-hmm. The other things, which is, is important because it's like the Proverbs of, of Jesus Christ, you know. Exactly. And at this point in time in history, it is about, you know, knowledge and, his- and uh how much wisdom we can glean, at least from the scripture. Because yeah. the, rest the world, you know, they're embracing Judeo Christianity and they have these concepts that are uh <laughs> foreign to the word of God, like open your heart to Jesus. I mean, have you ever read that in scripture, Pastor Bill?
2: Mm, no. Well no, I not that I believe anyway
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, open your heart to Jesus and Jesus loves everybody. That's another concept that I've never heard and
2: and when the most of
1: them understand, that I mean, only
2: applies to white Israelites. The entire Bible doesn't apply to anyone but the white race.
1: Yeah, that's what they don't yeah. get. That's true, and that that right there is a key as well as as at least knowing who we are because it sure unlocks the rest of Scripture, much like you know these Gnostic and you know, apocryphal books do as well.
2: Mm, exactly.
1: You know, it's just the same as Enoch. As much as Enoch explains all these angels, you get these uh, trains of thought of <laughs> the single seed liners and so forth who want to come along and say, oh, well, the devil's not literal, but, you know, there's... that Most of that, I believe, is because most of those books were chopped right out of the Bible at the Council of Nicaea <laughs> where they determined, you know, this is good and this is bad. Interesting, I think that the Gospel of Thomas would fit perfectly with the other four Gospels in our Bible because... It doesn't center around grace, and it doesn't so much center around the acts of Jesus Christ, it just centers around the sayings of Jesus Christ.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, 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 it,
1: would, it would help complement the snap the Gospels that way. Yeah, exactly. And and that's that's how it begins, actually. If we'll begin act, uh, right at the very beginning, it says, These are the secret words which the living Jesus spoke, and Vitimus Judas Thomas wrote. So right there, it is basically saying, this is Gedimus Thomas, and these are the secret words, which again centers around wisdom. And these are secret, meaning that we're meant to unlock it. And that, I think, is the beauty of this entire gospel, is that it comes and it centers around that. If you can figure these out, these dark sayings, and unlock them, Christ more or less grants you eternal life.
2: Exactly. it also says, um, whoever discovers the interpretation of these things will not taste death.
1: Yeah. Yeah, which I thought was interesting, too, because that is a direct correlation, you know, to uh, John chapter 8, where uh, Jesus Christ is more or less rebuking the children of the devil. And mo- everyone in Christian identity knows about John chapter 8, verse mm-hmm. 44, especially where he says, ye are your father, the devil. But towards the end of that, in verse 51, Christ says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, if a man keep my saying, he shall never taste of death or never see death.
2: Exactly.
1: So I think that's quite interesting because here, Thomas is saying that Christ says, Whosoever finds the explanation of these words will not taste death. So -hmm. that it's more or less locking it down to that wisdom and studying, studying to show ourselves approved is one key to... Eternal life is basically what Thomas is saying, Christ said.
2: Exactly. That's that's why I study so much.
1: Yeah, that's true. And I do believe that within all schools of Christianity, you know, the quote-unquote Anglo-Israel believers or Christian identity is one of the most schooled because they're not afraid to tackle these subjects, whereas Judeo-Christianity, they're stuck on John 3.16 every weekend, you know. And they and then they
2: gloss over anything that they don't understand.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Or they'll attempt to just simply explain it away, you know. And I, I do believe there's simplicity. And the thing is about the Gospel of Thomas is there's going to be some things within this. You know, I'm sure we're not going to cover it all today, but there's going to be things within this that are just like, whoa, so foreign to most people who are studying yeah. within us the four regular canonized Gospels because... You know, they're spiritual teachings, more or less. And they're more or less Christ teaching the personification, you know, the difference between flesh and ego, or man's ego and the spirit, you know.
2: And there's mention of that a few times, of that that concept.
1: That's true. And right after that verse, in verse 2, it says, Jesus said, Let him who seeks not cease seeking until he finds. And when he finds, he will be troubled, and when he has been troubled, he will marvel, and he will reign over the all. Now, that's kind of deep, don't you think?
2: Exactly.
1: (laughs) But it is, in essence, I believe, Jesus Christ saying the same thing that he says in the other Gospels, which is, Seek and ye shall find, which is one blessing, if you notice, I think... Yahweh makes straightforwardly within the scriptures. It's almost like one guarantee that you can get from Yahshua or Yahweh. They don't promise you really anything else, but it seems that they do offer wisdom. If you ask it, if you prayerfully will seek wisdom within the scripture, it seems like that's something that they will give you. And I think that's where the Judeo-Christian fails time and time again, is they don't have a heart inclined to truth. What do you think about that?
2: Yeah, that's pretty much, I pretty much agree with that. Uh, they just, I don't know, they just want to listen to the Jews these days and, you know, love all. think that they're supposed to love all the other races, etc. And that's just, that's not, that wasn't what was originally intended.
1: That's true, and wisdom, that wisdom, That that's one thing that I think is interesting, is that even the King James, as we have it, is such a racial book. I mean, the, all the covenants are even racial,
2: Mm-hmm. And it's so yes. funny
1: how people can't seem to find that, you know, they they miss that time and time again. Those are some of the parts that they gloss over, like you were saying. Whereas Christ right. says right here, he says, you know, if you don't see seeking, you know, if you seek, don't see seeking until you find. And when you find, you will be troubled. And I think that aligns perfectly with Solomon's statement that with much wisdom is much sorrow. That... You know what I mean it's sometimes it's hard to see so, you know when you especially when you understand the adulterate and you understand these deeper sayings of the Bible, when you see your own kinsfolk engaging in it, you know there's a lot of sorrows that can come along with it
2: mm, exactly
1: but it's it is Christ here who says, "Don't stop seeking if you ask for wisdom, you will find it, and when you are troubled, you will marvel and you will reign over the all now that's kind of interesting because in my translation here, all is personified, which basically could give the illusion that Christ is saying that, you know, when you find, whatever it be, and of course it's already broken down, the explanation of these words, which is wisdom. You're supposed to unlock these parables and understand them. But when you find, you'll be troubled. And when you trouble, he will marvel and he will reign over the all. So that person who finds the wisdom will will more or less reign with the gods is what I think, you know, Thomas is trying to say here. What's your take on that? That, that that's kind of a hard
2: one, but in general, I have to agree. In general,
1: I have yeah. to
2: agree with you on that.
1: And there's going to be yeah, that's the thing. There's going to be some interesting things, but we can carry these over into to uh, other books as well. But I think we should t- go ahead on verse three. It says, and and what's interesting about this too is it always says Jesus or Yeshua in the manuscript. It like never says Son of Man. It never says the Son of God. It never makes those claims as far as what I've researched. More or less, Thomas straightforwardly just calls him Yahshua, or mm, Jesus. And so every verse is just, just saying, this is what Jesus says. And here yes, is. And In
2: those, instead of having all these different nicknames, etc.
1: Yeah. Well, that's kind of interesting, because there's this school of thought now. It's an identity that even Yahweh and Yahshua are erroneous terms, which I thought was kind of interesting. I'm like, well... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but I think there's power in the names. You know, Yahweh says so many times in the Old Testament, you should use my name, use my name. Yeah. You know, and, and this, I mean, as far as I know, this manuscript is more or less dated to about no later than 120 A.D., and it's most of them attribute it to 60 A.D., which would put it right around the time of Thomas, in because he was supposedly one of the younger ones. Mm-hmm. So it's like, and it says Jesus, you know, it says Yahshua in there. It doesn't say any other name, but nonetheless, here in verse 3, Jesus said, if those who lead you, if those who lead you say to you, see, the kingdom is in heaven, then the birds of the heaven will precede you. If they say to you it is in the sea, then the fish will precede you. But the kingdom is within you, and it is without you. If you will know yourselves, then you will be known of you, you will know that you are the sons of the living Father. But if you do not know yourselves, then you are in poverty, and you are in poverty. That's kind of interesting because, I mean, Christ is blowing the rapture theory right out of there, and it's more or less aligning with what Christian identity has been teaching for years, and that is that the kingdom of heaven, quote-unquote, isn't in the sky. It's not in the heavens, per se. It's the kingdom age, or it's the kingdom of Yahweh right here on earth.
2: Exactly. As far as I'm concerned, the book of Revelation clearly says that it will be on earth.
1: Yeah, exactly. In the great and terrible day of the Lord where, you know, where that, the kingdom is established. And I think for a lot of the rapturists get all confused. It's because they're looking, oh, they're looking to heaven and expect Jesus Christ to rapture them away. When in reality, you know what I mean, <laughs> you don't want to be left behind because the terrors are taken first, you know? Exactly.
2: And that whole rapture thing was invented by like 16th century Jesuits who were tra- trying to um, trick Protestants. Because back then, you know, contemporary Protestant thought believed that the Pope was the Antichrist. Yeah. They were trying to they, they invented the, the, this whole rapture thing to, to try to throw Protestants off. You know, to make them believe other than what they were believing about the
1: Pope. It, that is interesting too, because like if you you know anybody who studied that out knows that you know Catholicism is more or less its own little abomination, you know, and it is funny that they always try to at least in modern Christianity they always try to act like well you know Protestantism just branched off of Catholicism because of Martin Luther, you know, but that's really not the case.
2: Well, it, it kept going, and the, the you know Baptists changed it again and. Presbyterians had their own version, etc.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, that's true. And and one thing I've noticed usually one common bane within them all is that they err in the scripture nine times out of ten, or they take it too far, like the Baptists or the Methodists, you know.
2: Yeah, they all they all come up with their. It's basically what the leaders, the various leaders, decided they wanted to do, and they were able to influence their followers to believe it.
1: Exactly. And so he says, I mean, Jesus Christ says right here in verse 3 of the Gospel of Thomas, he says, if those who lead you, your leaders, if the pastors, if the Pope himself, quote unquote, even says that the kingdom is in heaven, then the birds of heaven will precede you. More or less saying that, you know, birds, at least scripturally I've noticed, birds symbolize both good and bad. It just depends on what type of bird, if it's a dove or if it's a raven, really. Yes. But if they say to you it's in the sea, then the fish will precede you. And more or less what Christ is saying is the kingdom is within you and it is without you. What's interesting about that is it kind of reminds me of the transfiguration of, of Jesus Christ where he appears to his disciples, you know, after the crucifixion and before the ascension. It was more or less what he's saying is, at least in my opinion, is the kingdom is there. It's just in more or less a different dimension. That like upon death that you don't taste of, if you unlock these things or you believe in Jesus Christ, you step out of that temporal flesh, the mortality, and then put on immortality and more or less step into that realm. And so the kingdom of heaven is truly around us, and that's where I think, you know, all the angel and demonic influence comes from, and people because people are thinking it's off in heaven, you know, they don't even realize it's right here on earth and the battle is for earth. Yeah,
2: exactly. They, they they think they're gonna they're not going to
1: have to be involved.
2: You know, they just sit around, wait to get raptured, and they're done.
1: Yeah. And and the other interesting part about verse 3 here is he says, if you will know yourselves, then you will be known, and you will know that you are the sons of the living Father, which is quite interesting because that's kind of what Christ wanted them to know in our Gospels, and what Christian identity teaches is that there are sons of God and there are sons of the devil or children of the devil, quote-unquote. And Christ is more or less saying, if you'll be true to yourselves, if you'll study, if you'll know this wisdom, then you will be known of God, first and foremost, and also you will know that you are the son of God, just like Adam.
2: Exactly. That's that's, that's pretty deep, actually. Yeah. Um, I mean, one thing I think they're saying is you know, we, should, we should honestly understand ourselves and what motivates us. And you can try to eliminate all our selfishness and, you know, align ourselves with the will of Yahweh. Yeah. Rather than our own
1: world, you know, our own desires. Yeah, exactly. Because that's really where the conflict is, you know. And there's so many people out there within, Hippo, you know, Hippochristian, the general, you know, Judeo-Christianity is more or less Phariseeism in a way. It kind of teaches you know and, and christ is more or less saying if you will know yourselves then you'll be known so i think that's kind of a you know philosophical more or less i mean psychological again i mean we're dealing with that type of text but you know christ is more or less saying be true study and you'll be known that you are the sons of the living father and that is kind of interesting because most people don't even grasp that they just they don't even know what a son of God is. They think Jesus. You say son of God, they'll never mention Satan, who was a son of God, or Adam, who was a son of God. But they'll say, "Oh, Jesus was a son of God," you know.
2: Well, he, you know, well he's the son. Well, that's that's you know a little different because you yeah. know, it's like he he you know, he's the firstborn. Actually, I believe the Apostle Paul said that. He, he's like our older. He's our brother, but he's the elder
1: brother. Exactly, and the <laughs> sort of old, he died. from exactly. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's it's interesting how all the other sons of God were more or less formed of the dust of earth, whereas Christ was the only begotten Son. You know, who's actually like from the yeah. sperm oh, or the seed, the good seed, the same good seed that the sons of the father are made of. You know, exactly. Because that's a, that, that, I believe, is another concept that Judeo-Christianity just glosses over is the parable of the tears and the wheat. But Jesus Christ, I mean, he taught so much on it, and he even went so far to explain it. And then, of course, we have John, and we have a lot of the other New Testament scripture that says there are children of the devil, and there are children of God. And, you know, so many people gloss over that. But, but he says, Christ says, if you do not know yourselves, then you're in poverty, and you are poverty. You are poverty. So it's kind of funny because it's like on a spiritual level, he's saying, if you don't know yourselves, if you're not to thine own self be true, if you're not true to yourself and your God, first and foremost, then you'll pretty much always be in poverty and never know wealth, which, of course, true wealth spiritually would be, you know, blessings in heaven and, you know, spiritual blessings.
2: Exactly.
1: So it is, tr- it is interesting how at least my interpretation of verse 3 is, is like if you're true to yourself, true to your own desires, and you're true to God, you know, that's the key to true wealth. Otherwise, if you're not and you all side to these lies or at least embrace the lies like Judeo-Christianity or Catholicism or whatever else, you will always be in a spiritual form of poverty. Yes, exactly. You'll always be spiritually bankrupt. You'll never really be fed. And it's like the whole gospel, according to Thomas, Christ is saying, unlock this, figure it out. You know, try and be laughter and serpents and be smart and study, you know.
2: Hmm. You know, be be wise to learn Yahweh's truth rather than seeking the wisdom of man.
1: That's true, God or mammon. And it, it is it is interesting how the true are pretty much diametrically opposed. And you find those in the movement as well who like engaging in man's politics, you know, and they're really surprised when man turns around and, like, stabs them in the back. They're like, ah, you know, well, it's only Christ and it's only God who says they'll never leave and forsake us. You know, but man always will. You know, it is interesting to me how, I mean, even a lot of people on Stormfront as well in that theology section, they... I mean, there's nothing wrong, I suppose, with running on a, on a political level, but man isn't going to save us. You know what I mean? Only, only wisdom and God and the grace of Jesus mm. Christ. Isn't exactly. to
2: yeah. I, I don't even think I'd be a white nationalist if it wasn't for my Christian identity beliefs. Yeah. You know, it's the fact that you know the knowledge that we are God's people, you know, is is what makes me want to want to fight for
1: fight. Yeah, that is true. It is, a, and that's 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 really a sign of a, of an Israelite as well. If you consider it, Jacob intended, you know, for the birthright. and Esau didn't care. It is interesting because it does center around the birthright and that whole form of agape love and that you know even Christ teaching, love your neighbor, is all about loving your own people. Exactly, and if that's going apply to, to any race but the white race. Exactly, we shouldn't take what's holy pass it to the dogs. And there sure are a lot of dogs out there. And you know, what's interesting is, is dogs are even mentioned in this gospel. It's not with and so forth. But uh, in verse 4, actually, continuing on, Jesus said, The man old in days will not hesitate to ask a little child of seven days about the place of life. Life is personified. So, again, I mean, it's a reference to heaven. And he will live. For many who are first shall become last and they shall become a
0: single one. Thank you for listening to the Covenant People's Ministry. If you have enjoyed hearing the message of the Gospel and would like to be a part of our fellowship, or receive monthly newsletters where you can order Pastor visitors CD sermons. Be sure to write to us at TPM, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia 30205. You can also visit us on the web at covenantpeoplesministry.com where our extensive audio section features numerous broadcasts. You can easily listen to Pastor Visser by GodCast through your mobile audio device. Our phone number is 404-906-9009. Remember that Jesus Christ is our all and is in all that has been renewed in His Holy Spirit. So we hope that you will allow Him to lead your life and help to build His church so that when He returns, He will find faith upon this earth. We urge you to be a living example of Christian faith and apply his words to your lives. It's been a pleasure to have you with us, and now we will return to Pastor Visser's Bible study message.
1: That's kind of interesting because I think in all four Gospels Christ teaches the same you know, concept, that they that are first shall become last, especially in the contrast between God and mammon in the world, or the spirit of error and the spirit of the Holy Spirit. Oh yeah, and that's because those
2: these people that are first, you know, the rich ones with the power, they don't trust in God. They trust in their money and you know their um, connections and, and all of that. Exactly. That's than ch- trusting that way.
1: That's weird. It is interesting because you find that even within Christian identity as well. I mean, I mean, not that it's it's bad to be prepared, but you find people that put too much emphasis. On stockpiling, you know, food and ammunition and so forth, and in the day of the Lord, you know, none of those things are really going to matter.
2: No, because um, you know,
1: Yahweh will provide
2: whatever we need at that time.
1: Exactly, and Yahweh does take care of His own, like any father would His children, and that I think is the beauty of of Christianity as whole. In a whole, is that you know. God does love us and God does protect us, but the Judeo Christian sits around and says, "Well, I'm just going to sit back and let God take care of it all. God's in control of it. And then and then like that, God wants us to do it we can, you know."
2: And I, I never, in the, in, I never really believed in the rapture, even even, even when I was, um, you know, sort of semi-Judeo, because I, I never, I also never really believed that we're supposed to love other races. But anyway, even when I even when I sort of believed in the rapture, I didn't. I believed that it would be what they call post tribulation, With the whole tribulation we got to suffer through the whole tribulation, you know. Then it, then Jesus would come back.
1: Yeah, yeah. What you're saying? It is interesting how Judeo Christian does, I Judeo Christianity does do that as well. As it seems like, I mean, because I grew up, I actually didn't grow up in a Christian home at all. But I grew up under the whole, you know, the the children's Bible stories, the Adam, the Eve, the apple, you know, and 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 his multicultural children. It it almost takes the faith It takes the belief from us because that's kind of what happens, I believe, is you go into Judeo-Christian and they don't Spirit Judeo-Christian church and they don't spiritually feed you, and you know they basically take away the keys of of truth, you know, which is what Christ said to the Pharisees. And the leaders, exactly. they thought they were first, you know. And they're the ones that are going to be last. And what's interesting also about verse 4 is he says that the old men in days will not hesitate to ask a child of seven. And so it's interesting because Christ does say at one point in the Gospels that unless you repent, you know, become as little children, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. And it's kind of interesting because that's the dualism between man, where man, you know, wants to believe in themselves and carve their own road or think that they're first,
0: but in no. reality,
1: you have to rely in God as a little child. And little children believe in their father, and, they're, and they obey. <laughs> Whatever uh, don't question or argue about it. Exactly. Exactly. We got someone else on the line. Who's this? Ah, he jumped off. Oh, well. That was probably Martin Lindsay, to be honest with you. <laughs> but, yeah, it is interesting because it does require faith. And, you know, Jesus Christ taught that we are to be like little children, at least on a spiritual level. We're not to walk around, you know, and be fools. But it is interesting that the man in old days will not hesitate. And I find myself, as I get older, you know, that I know very little in the world. And it's interesting how, like, you grow up, you become 18, you think you know it all. As you go through years, by the time you reach your bed, you realize you don't know really anything. (laughs) The more I learn, the more I realize how little I truly know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's why I think it is interesting about it because, again, you know, we have to have priorities right, you know. And it's interesting because when Christ says this, he says, many who are first shall become last and they shall become us go on I mean, I believe he's talking about the restoration of all things. That is, Christ being being within his kingdom and his dominion, of course, but the body more or less being restored. That is, the church or the children of Israel, you know, they become as a single one as well, you know. Exactly. And so in verse 5, Jesus continues. Jesus said, Know what is in thy sight, and what is hidden from thee will be revealed to thee for there is nothing hidden which will not be manifest and again i mean how many times did we see jesus christ make this same promise in the other four gospels more or less you know there's nothing hidden that will not be manifest if you ask in faith it seems like the one guarantee that god or jesus christ as the holy spirit will impart that if you have the humility enough to humble yourself and ask god give me wisdom through your word or at least through your word or through nature or however god speaks to you he will give you that. I mean, what's your take on that? Well, kind of like how Saul, with, uh, Solomon got wanted,
2: and all he wanted was wisdom. You know, and actually, um, Yahweh was kind of impressed by that,
1: so he gave it to him. That's true. And, and, you know, once again, we see here in verse 5, it's Christ saying, Know what is in thy sight. And so, I mean, man can walk around... You know, and and, and think they see or even see within this realm what they consider reality. But throughout all the Gospels, it's Jesus Christ who can give a person eyes to see and ears to hear. So without really knowing, you know, Jesus Christ or at least going to God for true wisdom, you're not going to be able to see. And here it's more or less a command of Jesus Christ, you know, that we should see. Know what is in our sight before us in knowing that. Then what's hidden is revealed, you know. Because you got to
2: understand yourself, and you'll be realistic about the situation. Yeah, add wisdom.
1: You know what is hidden from thee will be revealed to thee. So I mean, that that to me is the word itself. Because. You know, there are people out there, you know, you find it within the naturalist sex and all sorts of people that come along and they're like, well, you know, I just want to know what God is. I just want to know what truth is. I want to know what the meaning of life is. You know, they always have all these stupid answers or questions. But yeah. to are Christian, you know, all these things are laid down. We understand that what the meaning of life is. The meaning of life is to grow in wisdom and to grow within our wisdom to God. And the only way we can truly do that is through our work. The Judeo Christian doesn't even believe in the word. They just kind of like, I don't even know if they carry Bibles anymore.
2: I think they carry them to church as like a fashion accessory or something.
1: That that is so true. I mean, down here in Georgia, it's interesting because a lot of these churches, I mean, they'll have like, it's like a nightclub atmosphere. They have like unwed mother's nights, you know, and they have, you know, pork barbecue days, and they'll have just the parking lots full, and you go up into these places and they they really are they remind me of of you know nightclubs <laughs> <you're in> them
2: <laughs> and those places where um singles come come and meet even, even churches do that now they have like book up sessions where people people all come and meet and try to date and stuff <laughs> that's not what a church is about
1: it's <laughs> so true Exactly. And the church is about advancing each other, caring for each other. You know, another thing, a lot of people forget that, but the church, at least, quote, the real church, is the body of Christ, you know, who are the believers who really believe in Christ. There's a lot of people out there who say they believe in Christ. You know, there's a lot of Israelites who say they believe in Christ, but they believe in an entirely different interpretation of Christ, you know.
2: Yeah, it's like they want to invent their own version that suits them rather than learn and understand you know, what, um,
1: what, what Yahweh and Yeshua really mean to us. Yeah, exactly. And that promise, it's amazing, that there is nothing hidden that will not be manifest. But again, that key is being humble enough, I believe, and asking. So in verse 6, it continues. And this is Thomas, of course, writing this gospel according to Thomas. His disciples asked him, him is capitalized, so the disciples asked Jesus. They said to him, Wouldest thou that we fast, and how should we pray, and how should we give alms, and what diet should we observe? So they asked three questions, and, Mm -hmm. you know, this is broken down, but I think we should actually stop right there halfway through. The disciples come up to him, and they ask him three things, and all three things, you know, align to the law. And a lot of people, you know, especially within Judeo-Christianity, they're under the assumption, oh, Jesus Christ did away with the law, the law was done away with when he made his sacrifice, but in reality Jesus Christ taught the law. And he even himself said, I have not come to destroy the law but to fulfill it. Exactly. And that's what's interesting is because they'll come along and go, well, fulfill. There, it's fulfilled. But fulfill doesn't mean, <laughs> fulfill really means to one-up or to complete. It doesn't mean to do away with, you know. Exactly. But the disciples are asking Jesus right here, should we fast, how should we pray, and should we give alms, and what diet should we observe? And so they're asking about the food laws, which I think is kind of interesting here. Mm -hmm. And then continuing on, Jesus said, do not lie, and do not do what you hate, for all things are manifest before heaven. For there is nothing hidden that shall not be revealed, and there is nothing covered that shall remain without being uncovered. And so it's interesting, because once again, all things, all sins, all acts, good and bad, righteous and unrighteous, are made bare before heaven, quote, unquote, and of course heaven, or the kingdom of heaven is wherever Yahweh is, so what Christ is more or less saying is that God knows everything, and that's what I think the defining difference between CI and the other sects of Christianity is, is that we know God is in control of all things, that you know, God knows everything, so we want to please Him by following the law and not living a hypocritical life. Whereas Judaism, Judeo Christianity teaches, well, God's not really in control. God doesn't really pay much attention. What do you think about that?
2: that I have to agree, agree with you that um, and he, He's there and He expects us to to obey His laws and you know not just not just you know forget it and do do whatever we
1: want. Exactly, and it is interesting here how Jesus Christ says, don't lie, which, you know, is one of the Ten Commandments, but he says, do not do what you hate. So it is kind of interesting because Paul references that, as or at least wrote on that, where he says, that which I don't want to do, I do, you know, or the turmoil hmm. between the flesh and the spirit. And so Christ is more or less once again saying, to thine own self be true, don't do what you hate, don't live a lie, more or less. Right here, because everything is made manifest before heaven, and nothing hidden that won't be revealed. So, you know, the Judeo-Christian walks around and is like, oh, I can lie, steal, cheat, I can do all of these things. God doesn't really know, because Jesus is my lawyer, or whatever. (laughs) Where Christ is saying, you know, God knows everything, you better be true while you live.
2: Exactly. I mean, he even knows
1: what we're thinking
2: at any given time.
1: Yeah, that is interesting, and they miss that as well, you know, which I, which is why, you know, he taught so much is on the same level, keep yourself pure, or at least your thoughts pure, because thoughts lead to action, you know. And so Christ is saying, again, be true to yourself, don't do what you hate, because if you do what you hate, in essence, thought again leads to action, and you're going to end up becoming something that you hate in the end, you know. And I think this happens to all of us, if we're not true to ourselves, true to our God, we start lying or trying to be a drunk and covering it up like Noah. God's not going to discover it. God already knows. A lot of times it's better just to be straight up with God and be like, look, Yahweh, I messed up, you know. Let's go on.
2: Yeah, that's pretty much how I am. When I'm messed up, I'm like, you know, I made a mistake because I'm weak, but, you know, I don't want to do that anymore. Please help me to not do this anymore. It's how
1: exactly. I am. And then, and then Yahweh will strengthen us. It's so true. Okay, in verse 7, Thomas continues. Jesus said, blessed is the lion which the man eats, and the lion will become man. And cursed is the man whom the lion eats, and the lion will become man. And so Mm -hmm. when I read verse 7, I think to myself right off the bat, at least, you know, the symbology of the lion being the lion of the tribe of Judah, which is Jesus Christ, and when yes. he says here, you know, blessed is the lion, which or uh, blessed is the lion, which the man eats, you know, he's more or less talking on a spiritual level of communion. I mean, what do you think of that?
2: And was, when I read this earlier, I was kind of wondering, and that makes sense. You know, when we strengthen ourselves with the body of Christ, you know, we 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 become more like Christ.
1: Exactly. And we become more Christ-like, which is why, you know, Christ continually stressed communion. And communion is pretty important. I mean, my wife is always (laughs) going to communion, but it is because it does keep us in touch with God and and in that communion with Christ, you know. And he says, blessed is the lion which the man eats, and the lion will become man. And on the same token, you know, like I think Peter's even wrote a book on this where it talks about communion, its potential curses and blessings, where it says, Cursed is the man whom the lion eats, and the lion will become man. In essence, I mean, talking about the day of the Lord and the day where all rudiments are destroyed, and, you know, it's more or less what he's saying there, the lion will become man. Of course, Yahweh God will never become man again, at least in that form, but I think that's what it's saying, is that... You know, there's blessings and curses with eating the body of Christ, you know. And you better, if you're going to eat from the body of Christ, at least on a spiritual level and tend to be a preacher, like a lot of these people out there, you, know, you better do it right or else you'll be cursed.
2: And I'm also reminded of something the Apostle Paul said. Talked about um, not, not taking the body of Christ unworthily. Make you know, we even say that people have become sick and even died from that. From engaging in communion, you know, without first, you know, confessing their sins, and becoming um, clean before Yahweh.
1: That's true. And so there are, you know, there are great respons- you know, responsibilities that come with it. And and again, it is interesting how, you know, what we're discussing lines perfectly with Christ saying, don't lie, don't do what you hate, don't be a hypocrite. Again, yes. in that whole symbology of it, it's like if you do take communion, and you're not straight up honest and true in your heart, or you have unforgiven sins, you can bring curses upon yourself, you know? Right. But anyway, that's why I believe it continues on in verse 8. And he, that Jesus Christ, said, The man is like a wise fisherman who casts his net into the sea. He drew it up from the sea full of small fish. Among them he found a large and good fish. That wise fisherman, he threw all the small fish down into the sea He chose the large fish without regret. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. And so, once again, it's interesting because Christ would continually use that in our Gospels. If you have eyes to see, let you see. And if you have ears to hear, let him hear. But what he's yeah. saying is a parable, and it's up to us to figure it out, you
2: know. Well, this, to me, is similar to the parable of great price. You know, forsake everything else for, for, to, for what's good.
1: Exactly. And, you know, the parallels between the Gospel of Matthew here are like, they're by almost the same. I think basically down to like there's one fish that remains, but it is interesting because we are to be like fishermen, you know, which at least on a spiritual level where we're harvesting souls are trying to at least, or at least spread the truth to our race. So, I mean, he says the man is like a wise fisherman and the man is personified, so he's more or less talking about the Holy Father here. Where he talks about the kingdom of 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 god and it says the man is like a wise fisherman who cast his net into the sea or the world more or less and drew it up from the sea. and of course in the book of revelation waters are symbolic of people so it's interesting <laughs> well they could be peoples but that's what they're referencing here full well, of small fish but he found the good and large fish and like a wise fisherman he threw all small fish back and kept the big one kind of interesting, too, because Jesus Christ is teaching on a common-sense level. I mean, this is common sense. Anyone who fishes is going to throw the guppy back and us <laughs> the large salmon or the trout, you know?
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: And and that is, you know, more or less the sifting of Yahweh God, though, if you think of the judgment. Because God's going to come through and pick the biggest one without regret. The biggest one, of course, would have the most works as far as on a spiritual level. And so <laughs> when it does come to that day of the Lord, you know, it's more or less the separating of the goats and the sheep and the tare and the wheat. And, again, that pearl, you know, without regret. So, verse 9. Jesus said, See, the seller went out. He filled his hand. He threw. Some seeds, and it's interesting because I believe that this is sperma, again, just like in our our regular Gospels where he's talking about seed. Again, it's it's the Greek term sperma. So, some seeds fell on the road the birds came gathered them. Others saw on the rock and did not strike root in the earth and did not produce ears. Others saw on the thorns, they choked the seed, and the worm ate them. And others saw on the earth, and it brought forth good fruit. It bore 60 per measure and 120 per measure. And so, again, it's kind of interesting as well, because these seeds that are be, being thrown out on a spiritual level, at least, must fall on good earth or a good foundation you know, in order to grow.
2: Exactly.
1: You know, and because the seeds that fall on the road, the birds come, they gather them. Birds, again, you know, symbolizing, you know, Satan or the raven, the wicked bird. Others that fell on the rock, they couldn't even root, they couldn't produce ears. The ones, the thorns that ate. Now, that's the interesting part, is because all the way back in the Proto-Evangelion in in Genesis verse 3, if you remember, the curse on Adam was that... He'd have to till the earth and he'd have to bring and some and it won't bring forth full full harvest, it would bring forth thorns and thistles. And
2: if you know we was toil and sweaty as the is living now. Well I guess yeah. before they just you know, they they were just leisurely and eat, ate whenever they felt like it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And wouldn't that be nice, you know, and, and sadly now we live in this communist age, you know. Yeah, it's fruits, you know, because Christ, all the seed that he's throwing out, it's interesting because we know Christ is talking on a spiritual level. He's talking about judgment. And these seeds that are thrown out are all judged according to how much fruit they bring forth. And what so he's more or less saying is a man is judged according to how much faith they have in the word and how much works, which is, you know, how we exercise the law in the mm-hmm. end. That is the biggest fish that is chosen without that. What do you think of that?
2: The, I, I tend to agree because um, also uh, the Bible says, you know, faith without works is dead. I mean, that's um, the book of James. Yeah. And, I mean, it's, it's, not the, it's not the works themselves that saved, but if you have true faith, that will motivate you to perform the, the various works.
1: Yeah, that's and that's what I think is, is an important aspect as well, is because a lot of people who are new to Christian identity, they come along and they're like, well, you know, are you saying that you have to keep the food laws? Are you saying that, you know, you have to do, you know, circumcise and do all these other things? And of course Jesus Christ addresses that in this, this gospel, but it isn't that the work, it, we are saved by grace, but it should be, You know, that we know God, and we know God is real enough to know that we want to please him as any child would please his father. And the only way to do that is to do what your father says, you know?
2: Exactly.
1: Yeah, and so it is all about the seed and seed line. Once again, even in the Gospel of Thomas, it's talking about seed. And, and, you know, so it is up to us, more or less, as human beings, to be able to, or at least to be chosen to, because the sower, of course, is, is God, but... We best pray that we're chosen to fall on the good earth, the good earth. And that's the interesting part about it, because, of course, the kingdom of heaven is on earth. All and that Adam is formed from the earth, you know, so the battle is here on earth. It's somewhere else. And so if we bring forth good fruit, you know, we'll increase. Verse 10, yes. Jesus said, I have cast fire upon the world. And see, I guard it until the world is afire. I mean, straightforward. It's kind of interesting. I mean, you even mentioned it earlier where Jesus Christ said, don't even think I've come to destroy the law, you know. I came not to destroy the law. And there's another place where he says, think not that I came to bring peace, but I came to bring war, I came to bring fire on earth. And so it is kind of interesting he says the same thing. I have cast fire upon the world. And see, I guard until the world is a fire. And so Yahweh, in that great and terrible day of the Lord, is consuming fire—that same fire that destroys all those rudiments. And He, is Jesus Christ, more or less saying, "I've cast fire upon the world." I mean, what's your take on verse
2: ten? I pretty much
1: agree
2: with you about that. Um, he's, mm, but the fire won't consume us. Exactly. He, 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 he's bringing the fire, and that's going to consume all the non-believers, but he's guarding us, you know, in, in, until until it's over.
1: It's true. It is interesting too, because fire, you know, is another representation of God as well. It's like when Moses saw the burning bush, you know, it was God, or at least an angel of the Lord speaking for God, but God was in the form of a fire. And, you know, in the Exodus as well, he went with the children of Israel in the form of a fire. You know, and Christ continually taught about the light and the light of the world and, and the concept of fire. You know, and here it is Christ saying, I've cast fire upon the world. And if you think about it, even on just a straight humanistic level, you know, for man's type, you know, how many fires, wars, how how fiery conversations get when they pertain to the scripture and what people believe. And so I think a lot of it is tact, you know, having having the scruples, how to bring truth to our kinsfolk because especially what we're teaching and the racial doctrine, it could be a fiery thing. I mean, you know, Christ said you're going to have mother, father, and all these people betray you, and it's really true a lot that's of
2: ways. and that's kind coming of what to think pass that's right now.
1: Right. Yeah. We see that going on in families. We see people being torn apart just because of truth. And when reality is we're supposed to reason together, we're supposed to be as one body, we're supposed to be, you know, even if we can't agree on certain allegorical things, you know, we're not supposed to go out like Martin Lindsett and start bashing people because we disagree with them. (laughs) I I, I disagree with with a few things that a lot of people teach, but, I'm not going to attack them about it. Exactly. And I think that's all part of being wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Wise as serpents is knowing you can learn a lot, especially from your enemy, you know what I mean? So it, it does us good to listen first and foremost. And that's why I think people forget, you know, they want to know God, but they spend too much time talking, they need to listen for God, you know? Exactly. Be still and know that I am God. Amen. And it is Jesus Christ who cast that fire upon the world, you know, and he will guard it, which means there will also be other people, disciples and, and you know, those disciplined in the words of Jesus Christ who will guard that fire as well, the word of God, and will bring it forth through every generation. It was Yahweh God who said, I will raise up pastors according to mine own heart who will feed my flock. And Jesus Christ said, my sheep know my voice, they will follow it. Moreover, they will not follow the voice of a stranger or an ethnos or a mixed person. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. The, uh, the, The only people that can be led astray are the ones that are meant to be
2: led astray.
1: Yeah, that's the beauty so, of it all.
2: The shades will only
1: hear when we follow Him. That's true, and it's kind of like the, the purging process where, you know, it even is attributed to a vineyard where they come along and they cut off the shoots or cut off the dead wood that doesn't bring forth fruits. And again, fruits are works. So, you know, we're saved by works, but we got to, uh, we got to do all we can to please Yahweh God. I'm looking at the clock, and it looks like it's about three minutes to go to Pastor James Wickstrom's show. So, uh, Pastor Bill, you want to pick this up again next Wednesday?
2: Sure, I'll be here.
1: Excellent, excellent. Then that's what we'll do again Wednesday at seven o'clock. That is Eastern Time, ladies and gentlemen. You have anything else to say, Pastor Bill? I'm um, pretty much said all I had to say right now. Okay. Thank you so much. My wife didn't call in today. She was going to. We spoke earlier. She'll probably call in next week. She did want to participate for about five, ten minutes and thank everyone who's helped us. Again, this is Pastor Visser from Covenant People's Radio from Covenant People's Ministry. That is located on the World Wide Web at covenantpeoplesministry.org. If you'd like, you can swing by. There's forums there. You can order books. There's all sorts of fellowship going on throughout. You can contact me with any of your questions. Thank you once again, everybody, from uh, coming to People's Radio. And with that being established, I will say to you, great studies. War for Christ. Amen. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you have enjoyed studying with us. Remember the words that Christ has given, that wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. We hope that you will gather together with us at the online ministries website, which is covenantpeoplesministry.com and share your Christian testimonies or ask questions and enjoy biblical fellowship. You can also order CDs of Pastor Visser's Bible Studies and enjoy many other Christian resources through the church's website or write to Covenant Peoples Ministry Post Office Box 256 Brooks, Georgia 30205 Our phone number is 404 906 9009. Thanks again, and may the love of Christ abide in you and yours forever and ever. Amen.